Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com/fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com/fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. Are you looking for a later ripening cherry variety that tastes great and is hearty in some of our colder climates? Well, fruit tree expert Ed Livo of TomorrowsHarvest.com returns with one beautiful deep red cherry variety for fabulous Fruit Friday and it can be grown throughout most of the United States. It's the Sweetheart Cherry. Plus, we answer your garden questions about painting fruit tree trunks to prevent sun scald and how to keep fruit tree suckers from popping up all over your yard. It's all on Episode 90 of the Garden Basics Podcast, brought to you by Smart Pots and Tomorrow's Harvest. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. Every Friday, it's fabulous Fruit Friday here on the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. We bring in Ed Livo from Tomorrow's Harvest of Virtual Nursery. And Ed, uh, you know, I think one of the first fruits that are going to start, uh, shall we say, bearing in, in the near future here are, are going to be cherries. Well, yeah, you bet. You know, I mean, we talked about cherries like, a couple of shows back there. We talked about the Black Republican and, and and primarily, you know, talking about the Black Republican was to share the excitement about this, you know, nostalgic piece of fruit that's absolutely wonderful. You know, just just tremendous, you know, for for um, for anybody who loves outstanding, unusual fruit. But. The one I want to talk about today actually has is one of the most modern of the self fruitful or self fertile varieties, and that's the sweetheart cherry. But it it has a similar kind of exciting lineage in that it originates from one of the most prolific breeders of cherries in the world, the Summerlin um, Research Station up in British Columbia, and they have a history of of introducing some incredible varieties of, of cherries, you know, amongst which one of the pop, most popular would be the Lapin cherry, mm. which came out of the Summerlin uh, uh, Research Station. And the Sweetheart, of course, now is a new um, variety that um, when I say new, I don't mean new, 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 new. I mean, it actually, you know, ha- was introduced back in 1992. So it, that's very, very new for these uh, um, exciting new self-fruitful varieties of cherries. Um, Sweetheart actually is um, is very versatile. It has a number of different qualities that uh, make it a superior choice for backyard gardeners. I'm just really, really jazzed about it. Have been for a, quite a while. I, I Just for the sake of clarity, I'm uh, looking at a book called Fruit, Berry, and Nut Inventory, the third edition. And it says about the Sweetheart that it is a large, bright red fruit with good flavor it talks about it being sourced in 1992, but I noticed at tomorrowsharvest.com, the description for the Sweetheart Cherry says it was officially released in 1994. That's the truth, too. Um, I, I wrote that. So, uh, you know, of course it is true. <laughs> and it was officially released. All right. Now, I have another question about the description in this book of the Sweetheart Cherry. Sure. It calls it precocious. Now, when I think of the word precocious, I think of Shirley Temple or Little Stevie Wonder. What does the word precocious mean in reference to a fruit tree? 
it means Shirley Temple or little Stevie Wonder, um, except for in its ability to be young and productive. Oh, that's it. So, it, it, so it produces earlier then. Correct. Yeah, and it produces a lot. You know, precocious is precocious is beyond just you know some fruit early on. It it produces you know a substantial amount of fruit at a much younger age than the average. And so that would be your Shirley Temple or your Stevie Wonder example. <laughs> it would be the little Stevie Wonder example. Correct. Little Stevie Wonder. Right. Because he's yeah. our age now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he sure did play harmonica better than I did when he was my nice. age. Yes. <laughs> so the Sweetheart Cherry, large, bright red fruit fruit with good flavor. And uh, from what I understand, it, it bears later in the year. It's a late cherry. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, um, you know, for a successive ripening, it would be an anchor cherry, one of the last ones that you'd harvest. Um, it, its parent is a van and then a variety that probably nobody's ever heard of called New Star. But it's a van cherry. And van cherries are late as well. Van is an incredibly intense flavored cherry to begin with. And so it's inherited that characteristic. It's the, the sweetheart has a very, very wonderful, rich, sweet flavor. Um, and, and it's rather firm as well. So, it, you know, for those people who like their fruit firm, uh, the sweetheart is large and, and very firm as well. Now, if it is precocious and it grows and bears fruit and it's a late bearing crop, uh, one problem I know that cherry trees might have if, 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 if this pest is in your area and it really likes the late cherry crop, and that's the spotted wing drosophila, and part of the family of vinegar flies that are out there that, that pierce... Uh, uh, cherries and lay eggs inside of them, making them rather unappetizing. Yeah. And, and one of the things about the, the sweetheart cherry that we should point out is, is that it produces a tremendously heavy crop. It crops very heavy, dependably very heavy, so much so that it really should be pruned back aggressively to keep the, the canopy in check, keep it low so that the limbs on, on the what they call the secondary or the primary wood or the primary laterals off of the tree. So they, they become very stout and very, very um, thick and heavy um, so that it can support the weight of, of this tree's um, uh, large crops. And of course, this becomes a target for the spotted wing gesophilum. But covering techniques, the simple act of throwing a row crop cover over the top of the tree um, just while, just before the fruit starts to color. So the the the, uh, the insect likes to attack fruit as it matures, and that's where it does its primary damage. But if you can throw this cover, like a simple row crop cover, over a well-managed, low-kept cherry tree, you'll avoid that problem completely. How low could you keep the tree? Oh, you can keep the tree probably in the five to six foot range. Now, you know, I kept a cherry tree, you know, when I was with the uh, Dave Wilson nursery, I kept a cherry tree at um, 48 inches for uh, almost 10 years. And it bore every year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So did the Santa Rosa plum that I had, you know, just adjacent to it. That Well, it, it, it makes it if it makes it easier to net. Well, that's one great strategy for uh, thwarting the spotted wing drosophila, I guess the time to uh, throw that net over is as soon as you start seeing the fruit turn color, probably from yellow to pink or thereabouts. Correct. That's exactly when you put it on. You want to, and you want to make sure that when you when you cover the tree, you actually tie the canopy 
or tie the uh, cover to the bottom of the tree so that no insect can get in there and get trapped. Still, you'll ward off better than 90% the damage of that would be typical if you left the tree uncovered and didn't spray or didn't do anything to control the insect. I think, you know, it just, you know, kind of harkens the the need to size control the tree because or your fruit trees simply because we've got so many different challenges in terms of um, pests or or even disease control that it makes it so much easier if your trees kept at a reasonable height. Now, obviously, we're not talking about bird netting when we're talking about an insect that's only one eighth of an inch big. So, right. what what do you use for a cover? Oh, you could you could just use row crop cover. The same thing you would use to protect your. Um, your vegetables uh, from cold during the wintertime. And you can buy big, big sheets of it um, and relatively inexpensive as well. I keep, you know, quite a bit of it on hand here for either, you know, my my winter uh, vegetables that I throw um, these uh, frost blankets, if you will, um, over the top. And you can throw them over the top of fruit trees um, as a screen for insects as well. It's the sweetheart cherry. You should add it as your uh, late cherry alternative. Uh, if you if you like to grow cherry trees, why not have a nice sweet late cherry that ripens in July? A very hardy tree too. What uh, down to what USDA zone five? Yeah, actually, it it does have a little bit uh, more hardiness than the average sweet cherry. But when you talk about you know sweet cherries in zone five, you're really talking about you know some areas in zone five. You know, so you want good air drainage in a zone five location. You want morning sun. You know, and you want a full day's worth of sun, eight hours at least. There you go. The Sweetheart Cherry available from Tomorrow's Harvest by Birchall Nursery. Just visit their website, tomorrowsharvest.com. For more information about the Sweetheart Cherry Tree. SmartPots are the original award-winning fabric planter. They're sold worldwide. SmartPots are proudly made 100% in the USA. SmartPots are also BPA-free. There's no risk of chemicals leaching into the soil, your herbs, vegetables, and other edibles. That's why organic growers prefer SmartPots. SmartPots' breathable fabric creates a healthy root structure for plants. Smart pots come in a wide array of sizes and they can be reused year after year. If a frost or freeze is in the forecast, moving your frost tender plants that are in the smart pots that have handles makes them even easier to move closer to the house for added warmth, or you could even move them inside. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information about the complete line of Smart Pots lightweight fabric containers. It's Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred for more info and that special Farmer Fred discount on your next Smart Pot purchase. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. Say, Ed, uh, people are, are writing you questions. We may turn the name of the segment from Fabulous Fruit Pro Friday into Ask Ed. Do you, you want some uh, questions? You want to field some questions here? Oh, yeah. That, that sounds fun. All right. Over on the Apple podcast uh, in the comments, and thank you for commenting on the uh, Garden Basics with Farmer Fred uh, podcast, if you uh, listen to it via Apple, uh, a grower in California who gave the podcast five stars. God bless you, sir, or ma'am, <laughs> writes in, I'd like to hear your response on the best type of paint mix to protect trees for sun scald. In the past, I have made my own whitewash using a mixture of salt and type S lime and cover the lower trunk of the tree. 
I never liked the idea of using latex paint. However, I listened to your show about salt and many types of fertilizer. So what is an alternative? What do big orchards use? What options are there, Ed? Well, the lime, you know, the lime, uh, you know, liming of the tree goes back, you know, ages. But I think that's pre, you know, latex paint. I've used latex paint, you know, forever. And I've actually experimented to great degrees with latex paint back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, we had a lot of fun. And what we were looking for is, you know, the different um, ways that you could apply it, different um, styles that you could use. And so we came up with a lot of different anecdotal things that were a lot of fun. And one was that, uh, well, first, of course, you use an, an interior latex paint, never use an exterior latex paint because exterior latex paints have fungicides in them, but interior latex paints don't. Dilute that to 50 to 70%. Mm. You know, I mean, a lot of times you'll hear 50%. I found that 50% can be just a little bit too thick. A lot of times, 70% with water is just fine. Um, and what we found was a lot of fun was, you know, you don't have to do it with white. You know, you can do a peach tree in, peach. you know, a, a yellow if you want to. Yeah. You can do a cherry tree in a very, very light, you know, colored red if you'd like to. And, you know, you could, um, you know, your your lemon tree, you could do it in lemon yellow if you want. As long as it's a bright, reflective color. And, and also, you know, the latex acts as a barrier, you know, so that the that, so that the um, not only the reflective quality of the paint um, or the color of the paint works to ward off sunburn and doesn't destroy the cambium of the tree, but also it keeps the bore from coming in and and puncturing through. They can't break through the latex so that that it acts as a double barrier. Using colors was a lot of fun and also painting the, the uh, canopy or, or the uh, trunk up into the the primary scaffolding limbs, the first parts of the canopy in the bottom of the tree. So we always want to go up into that first set of primary scaffolds. The other the other thing that we had fun with, if you like, you know, want to be a little bit more on the organic side, was we worked with talc paints. And mm. these came out of um, a company. You have to excuse me because I haven't worked with these companies in years. But um, these talc paints came out of a company in Arizona at the time. And uh, they sent us all kinds of samples of different colors and, and types of, of talcs. And we found that they were, you know, just as effective and and just, you know, like I, I think that the talc, the surface that it created was almost something that would ward off, you know, um, insects to begin with as well. They just don't like crawling across that talc. So to answer Grower in California's question, what do the big orchards use? I see it in walnut orchards still. Walnut orchards, yeah, but I, I would suspect that's latex. Yeah, and it's probably 50 or 70% water and 30% interior well, white latex. When you get up to 70% dilution ratio, then you can put it in the sprayer and you can actually spray the the latex on, which um, I thought was a lot easier to apply than doing it with a paintbrush. I find it soothing and zen-like to use a brush on a tree. <laughs> that's all right as well okay. I, and and keep in mind that it's a, it really is a thing that's done in the real real hot climates and dry climates mostly because that's where we see sunburn sunburns the you know is the big culprit here we're trying to you know ward off sunburn because once you get sunburn then next thing you get is bores and the pacific flathead board or the crown bore will come in and once um, your cambium's dam damaged and usually of course that's going to occur on the south side 
side of your tree, um, mm-hmm. where whatever the south facing side of the tree is. And that hot afternoon sun in a real dry climate like we have, we have here in California, there's no humidity to protect the tree. And so the odds of getting, especially on cherries, oh, my gosh, the damage on cherries can be devastating, especially in the first two years. I hope that helps you out there, grower in California. Thanks for uh, <laughs> uh, leaving that message. talking with Ed Livo from Tomorrow's Harvest at Birchall Nursery. And let's talk a little bit more about getting some more bang for your buck when it comes to planting fruit trees. You want a long harvest season. Just about any deciduous fruit you can think of has many varieties which ripen at different times. Uh, cherries leading off the season, for instance. You could have several different cherry varieties if you really like cherries. One of the cool things about cherries, if you wanted to do successive ripening, what you want to do is you want to get, you know, one of those early varieties like uh, like the Black Republican, uh, Black Tartarian. And then you want to get the variety, a variety like Rainier that's right in the middle of the season. And that also gives you the diversity of having a red cherry and a blonde cherry because, of course, the Rainier is that nice big blonde cherry. And then end the season off with like a Van or a Stella, your favorite, yes. or, or, or a Lappin's. All right. So there you got three or four cherry trees as if you needed more cherries in your life. Well, and the, the, there's even a cooler one than that. And that's that's Lappin's like out of the same hybridization program as Lappin's called Sweetheart. And that's a that's a monster cherry that I don't think enough people are actually becoming familiar with. But it's it's a great variety. And then in that and then before that, you could have Utah Giant, which is also there's a lot of good cherries, Fred. <laughs> yeah, there are. And many of them are right there at tomorrowsharvest.com. And you can yes, check them out and find out more about them. Uh, Bob writes in. And he says, perhaps Ed has some ideas when he is next on Garden Basics. So, Ed, Bob wants to know, in 1989, I bought and planted an Italian prune tree. For at least the last decade, shoots come up from the rootstock. And in more and more locations around the tree, over time and above soil level growth bulges out, creating space for additional shoots. Several times during the growing season, I prune off those shoots. I grow weary of pruning. I just love that sentence. I grow weary of pruning. It sounds like something Hemingway would write. I grow weary of pruning. The great DiMaggio would be ashamed. All right. <laughs> well, and if you think about it, too, um, if you choose the right rootstock, you'll guarantee yourself the uh, a life of, of pruning your roots. Of weary. Um, the, pri- primarily, um, it would be Mariana 24, um, 26, 24, or it would be Myro you know, even in the 29C will sucker as well like that. And and the older the tree gets, the more that you cut um, and prune back those, just the more the calluses up and 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 produces more. Um, there is some um, uh, chemicals that you can use that actually are like sucker um, sucker inhibitors. Stopper. Yeah, yeah, sucker stoppers. And I think they're done by Monterey Chemical. Mm-hmm. I think has some, and uh, there's. I think there's one other company that um, does them as well. And you might try those. They suppress those uh, suckers, keep them from coming up. However, Um, we should point out that when you're using those sucker stopper type products is that be sure to read and follow a label direction. Make sure the plant you're applying it to is listed on the label. Oh, absolutely. You bet. Yes, do that. (laughs) 
Thank you. God, you're very welcome. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, but uh, he does finish off by saying, I've been toying with the idea to chop off these growths back down to the root they are attached to. How likely am I to kill the tree? And, and like you just said, uh, all you're going to end up doing is producing more sprouts if you do that. Yeah. And, and I tell you what, I've I've seen what the results of that uh, uh, that is. And keep in mind this, that every place that those roots have popped out of the ground, you know, six, eight, 10, 15 feet from the tree, that right there as has a whole new root system attached to it. And you may dig that out, but the root that you leave in the ground, you'll be surprised. It'll sprout up everywhere. It'll start pushing new growth everywhere, places where it's never pushed before. When you've got it calloused up, you know, in what, like one spot where it calluses up every year, it seems like that's where your greatest concentration of of new growth occurs every year, almost like a, you know, the, a new tree starts every year. But um, when you start trying to cut those roots off, man, they can get to be a nightmare. You can turn your yard into a into one big rootstock patch. Is that a, a particular characteristic of the Mariana rootstock? Yeah, um, and more so with Myro 20. Well, Mariana, yeah, 26, 24. Absolutely. Excuse me. Yes, it is more of a characteristic of of um, Mariana 26, 24. Uh, but Myro 29C is pr- prone to it as well. Myrobalum rootstocks are prone to it as well. Someday we'll do a rootstock show. Yeah, we should. Yeah, yeah we should. Abso- absolutely. Right. Yeah, to be exact, that was um, in in meetings I was in today. That was almost the entire conversation was on hybrid rootstocks, all new, and we were talking about the the huge push towards hybrid rootstocks today, which um, is a kind of exciting. You know, it's not something that's been really, um, let's say, intensely uh, investigated by hybridizers in the past. But but now, um, because of our ability to be able to, you know, generate results quicker um, because of the mass plantings we have everywhere, we can get results sooner. Um, All the magic happens underground. Yeah. Yeah. And, And, you know, there's all sorts of reasons, you know, to select rootstocks that are adapted, you know, of course, to the soil, you know, conditions that you plant in. Um, I mean, it's something that I've always said, you know, and I mean, always, I've always said rootstocks are not for dwarfing. Rootstocks are for soil adaptation and disease resistance. If they happen to keep the tree a little bit smaller, that becomes the complement that you selected the rootstock for the real reason that would be adapted to soil conditions or um, uh, it's tolerant of diseases or uh, that you may have in prevalent in your area. I would think a good local independent nursery would be cognizant of that when they bring in their fruit trees each year, that they would uh, insist upon fruit trees that have rootstocks that are compatible with the soil of most of their customers. When you get into the home garden, though, it, it, it's I think it's a greater challenge. In commercial, I think you, you're probably more forced to look at rootstock. Um, but when you're in a home garden, you, you do have some options. And one of them, probably one of the best ones is drainage is always a, is the key in a home garden situation. I can say that 90% of all home garden trees fail because of poor drainage. It could be higher. You know, of course, you're going to want to plant in a mound or an elevated planting, um, and that doesn't matter than what rootstock you're on, because if the rootstock, you know, can withstand the um, heavy clay soil that you plant in or the heavy compacted soil that you're forced to plant in in some housing areas, then um, and it gets plenty of oxygen. In most cases, it's going to do fine, and pruning becomes more of a 
a concern. You're only talking about one tree, you know, in your backyard or two or three, um, where commercial orchards, you know, of course, they can be talking about tens of thousands. It'll be on Ed Livo's tombstone. Plant them high, keep them low. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I love it. That was great. (laughs) Yeah, plant them high always. I mean, I think I've advocated raised bed plantings for you know, pretty consistently, consistently for the last 30 years. I just watched the Walnut guys. The Walnut guys up north in the Santa Rosa area all planted on mounds, and I couldn't figure out why they had plant were planting so high. And um, so I asked a few of them, and they said, oh, you know, it's because we don't know what the winter weather is going to bring here. And so, you know, we want to make sure that there's always oxygen available above ground to supply oxygen to the root systems that are inundated with water throughout the wintertime. And so I took that back to the nursery and Basically, I don't care what rootstock it was on. I just recommended that in Sonoma County, our our soil is heavy, compacted, and has shallow hard pans, and you're best to plant all your fruit trees 12 to 18 inches above the grade. There you go. The Sweetheart (laughs) Cherry Tree, available from Tomorrow's Harvest by Birchall Nursery. Visit tomorrowsharvest.com. Find out more about the Sweetheart Cherry Tree. Make it part of your cherry tree arsenal Ed Livo, why don't you come back next Friday for Fabulous Fruit Friday, and we will take some scenic diversions after we talk about whatever we talk about. You know what? I'll I'll look forward to that, and I won't even plan. All right. No, please plan. Please plan. All right. Thank you for your help on this. You're always welcome. The warmer weather means that fruit trees and berry bushes will soon spring to life with the promise of tasty, nutritious, fresh fruit for you and your family. So what are you waiting for? A website for more information? Okay, it's tomorrowsharvest.com. That's your go-to site for a complete line of backyard fruit trees and bushes. Tomorrow's Harvest fine line of fruit trees is the result of 75 years of developing, testing, and growing. Three generations of the Birchall family have been at the forefront of research and development of these plants of the highest quality. And all of these beautiful edible plants have been carefully cultivated for your home garden. And they come in plantable paper pots. They're ready for you to stick directly in the ground, pot and all. Look for Tomorrow's Harvest Fruit Trees at Better Retail Nurseries. And if your favorite nursery doesn't carry any of Tomorrow's Harvest fruit, nut, and berry varieties, you can order them directly from tomorrowsharvest.com. Let the Birchall family's three generations of experience take root in your home orchard, landscape, and garden. It's Tomorrow's Harvest, goodness that you can grow. To find out more about their nutritious and delicious fruit and nut varieties, visit tomorrowsharvest.com. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast has a lot of information posted at each episode. Transcripts, links to any products or books mentioned during the show, and other helpful links for even more information. Plus, you can listen to just the portions of the show that interest you. It's been divided into easily accessible chapters. And you're going to find more information about how to get in touch with us. You can leave an audio question without making a phone call. You do it via SpeakPipe. Go to speakpipe.com slash gardenbasics. It's easy. Give it a try. If you're listening to us via Apple Podcasts, put your question in the ratings and reviews section. You can text us questions and pictures or leave us your question at 916-292-8964. That's 916-292-8964. 
And you can email us, fred at farmerfred.com. And please tell us where you're from, because that'll help us greatly accurately answer your garden questions. Because after all, all gardening is local. In the show notes, you'll find links to all our social media outlets. That includes Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, you'll find a link to the FarmerFred.com website. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday and is brought to you by Smart Pots. It's available just about anywhere, and that includes Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And for Northern California gardeners, it's the Green Acres Garden Podcast with Farmer Fred. It's available also wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments.